welcome to the Preston Minster podcast. We want you to find your home, find your purpose and transform your city. Hey, if you've got a Bible with you, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 14? Cheers, Sam. We're going to be reading some verses from Matthew chapter 14. The verses will come up on screen, but let me say how, how excited I've been to come to Preston and speak with you guys and share some thoughts. And Sam and Hannah and Rach and Jason and Tim, it's been such a privilege. We went out to the beach yesterday, as Sam said. I feel like my induction as a northerner is almost complete. Chips and fish and chips and gravy by the beach. I don't know what it is about hanging out with Sam. Even in London, when Sam was on the team at HDB, he introduced me to the chicken and chip butty, £3.50 from the local shop. Had a great time. They sadly had to close. I think it's because their best customer moved up to Preston. (laughs) But the chicken and chip butty, I'll never remember. I'll never forget. Um... Would you humor me for just a few moments? I know it's a bit weird, COVID times in church. We've got masks on, we're socially distant. Would you just humor me? Would you just turn to the person next to you, the person closest to you, and just say, we can, we can speak underneath our mask in church. Would you just say to them, say, neighbor? Go ahead, t- turn to the person. You can do this. Just say, neighbor, you are so blessed to be sitting next to me. <laughs> Amen. Go ahead, turn to the other neighbor, turn to the other neighbor, and say, other neighbor, you are my second choice but you're blessed too. (laughs) Hopefully you've got Matthew 14 open. I'm gonna read, kicking off in verse 22. This is Matthew 14. The Bible says, immediately, everybody say that out loud. Go on, say immediately. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the wind because the waves was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. And when they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak. And all who touched it were healed. And if you just track back to verse 22, Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. And this morning, I want to speak for a few moments on this thought, getting to the other side. Shall we pray? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you speak to us today. And Father, I ask that by your spirit, you would speak directly to hearts, that we would leave this place transformed by an encounter with the risen Jesus, that promise of new life, of new hope, of resurrection power. We love you and we worship you. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So as I said earlier, I'm from Tooting in southwest London, and my dad's from India, mom's from Sri Lanka. My mom was actually, before I was born, she was the runner-up in the Miss Sri Lanka beauty contest. She hates when I talk about it, but fortunately, she's not here today. So here's a photo of my mom as the runner-up in the Miss Sri Lanka beauty contest. That's where I get my curls from, I'm told. I'm told I take after my dad, but we make of that whatever you want. And I mentioned earlier, I'm training for ordination. I get ordained in 26 days at St. Paul's Cathedral as a deacon in the Church of England, but that wasn't on the script for me. In fact, I always wanted to work in the music industry, and I was always around music and theater. At one point in time, I wanted to work as a musical theater writer, writing plays. And I guess I, I cut my teeth doing the school plays and nativities. Show of hands, who remembers school plays, nativities, anyone playing Mary and Joseph? Show of hands if you can't remember school plays, and show of hands who hates putting their hands up in church. <laughs> I remember one, one of these school plays, maybe one of the first ones I ever did. It was called The Madness of King George III by Alan Bennett. And I was playing one of the king's aquaries, like his number twos, his bodyguards. And I had to wear this red costume with this um, white, fluffy wig on me. And our director had this brainwave. It's quite a serious, intense, dramatic play. And our director had this brainwave for the end of act one into act two, the big dramatic finale of the first act, that we had, we had this revolving, rotating stage. And so what his plan was, was that the king at this scene had to be kind of restrained into his throne. It's quite a dramatic, upsetting scene. We had to be with belts around his waist, and we were, we were the people doing it. And our director said, what we're going to do is, as the revolve is turning, whilst moving, which was very hard to do if you're trying to keep your balance on a rotating stage, whilst it's revolving off, and we're kind of restraining the, the actor playing the king, it will revolve around. And when you guys are completely out of view, what you're going to do is you're going to run off, un untangle the king, run off backstage, and the revolve will come back around, and all you'd see is the empty throne with a crown on it and a red spotlight. Ooh, so dramatic. Goosebumps in the room. I can feel it. That was the director's vision. And so opening night, we get through almost all of act one. It's going well so far. We get to this moment, this climax, this transition from act one to act two. We're tying up the king in his throne. He's making so much noise. The orchestra's swelling up. It's really dramatic. And the revolve begins to turn. And we know exactly what we have to do. We have to untie the king. But for some reason, it wasn't going well. The belts weren't untying, and we knew we had a countdown because we were turning. And so we got to the back. We were meant to be running off backstage, but instead, all that happened, we were slightly caught unawares, revolving back around. Smile and wave, boys. What do you do in that moment? We completely messed up the transition. And how many of you know that our key moments in life will be defined by how we transition? Not just starting well, but finishing well too. And it strikes me that as a society, in Preston, as a world, we are in a season of transition. Transitioning, hopefully, into the new normal. Hopefully transitioning to where we don't have to wear masks anymore. We can be reunited with those we haven't seen in a long, long time. We're transitioning. How do we transition well? What does it mean to take all of the learnings of the last 18 months? As we've seen, responding to injustices in the world, the evil of racism with the killing of George Floyd, the evil of sexism with the murder of Sarah Everard. What does it mean to transition out of this season and into the next one? The New York Times wrote an article, and in it they said, the coronavirus pandemic and all it has wrought is such 
a moment. Everyone knows someone who's got sick or died or lost their job. Everyone has a personal before and after. It has been a collective near-death experience. For those lucky enough to survive, people have found themselves close to life's deepest questions. Those forced by an apocalypse, questions about how we live, how we suffer, and how we make meaning of our short time here on earth. And maybe you find yourself in a moment of transition. Maybe you're waiting for the new. Maybe you're hoping to leave behind what's been a difficult season. Maybe you've lost a loved one or a job. Maybe you're excited about what's to come. Maybe you're getting into a new relationship or a new academic year just on the horizon. How do we transition? How do we get to the other side? I think if you're anything like me, I'm obsessed with getting to the other side. I think it's one of the earliest narratives we ever hear. Why did the chicken cross the road? To get to the other side. We think the grass is greener on the other side. And I think that's why I love this story in Matthew 14. I used to read this story of Jesus walking on the water purely as a story about trust, and it is about trust. But it's also about transition. And I know we've been looking at transition at Preston Minster, looking at Moses and the Red Sea. And Matthew, writing this account, wants to set up Jesus as the next Moses. And there's links all throughout the story. In fact, the Red Sea, um, the river, the sea that they're crossing is the Sea of Galilee in Matthew 14. And one of the attributing rivers into the Sea of Galilee is the River Jordan. And whenever you see the River Jordan in the Bible, think transition. It's where Joshua brought the people of Israel into the promised land over the river Jordan. It's where Elisha receives the mantle and transitions from Elijah over the river Jordan. And it's where Jesus is baptized and he begins his earthly ministry. It's transition. And actually, Matthew 14 is in a transition part of Matthew's gospel as Jesus transitions towards the cross, facing the persecution of the authorities. And I believe there are three lessons about transition that we learn. So if you're taking notes this morning, point number one is this. Write this down. Expect the unexpected. In moments of transition, expect the unexpected. Look with me again at verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves, because the wind was against it. This is a moment of transition, and the disciples are caught out because they get in this boat. Jesus has just performed one of the greatest miracles of his ministry, feeding the 5,000, so great that all four of the gospel accounts record it. It's the only miracle that Jesus performs for all four accounts to record it. And he's performed this incredible feat. He's fed 5,000 people off a schoolboy's derrily lunchables. And the crowd are on a high, and the disciples are on a spiritual high. They were ready for the red carpet. They were ready for the VIP treatment. What they were not expecting was to face a storm. And they get caught unawares. In moments of transition, expect the unexpected. And sometimes it can feel like that. I thought following Jesus would make my life easier. I didn't think there'd be any storms anymore. But I think what this COVID-19 season has shown us is the reality of pain, of suffering in this world. And I've learned that Jesus didn't call us to lead an easy life, but he did call us to lead an obedient life. 
Jesus even said himself, you will face trouble in this world. But he also said, fear not, because I have overcome the world. Do you know in the storms of life, when the wind and the waves surround us, that Jesus is your ever-present help in time of trouble? You see, the disciples, they get things wrong all the time. In Matthew chapter eight, they've already seen Jesus calm the storm. They even say, who is this that the wind and the waves obey him? And yet they face another storm. And Jesus is nowhere to be seen. He's up a mountainside praying. But maybe that's how you feel today. Where is Jesus in my storm? I feel all at sea by myself. But Jesus is up in a mountainside praying. I think that speaks to perspective. Jesus' perspective was higher than that of theirs in the storm. That's why we worship. That's why we begin every service here in worship. What are we doing? We're elevating our perspective beyond our circumstance, beyond our storm, and lifting our eyes to Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Expect the unexpected. I didn't know this. I didn't know this growing up. And at university, as I've already shared, after getting those five rejections, I came to university with, I guess, not processing that pain. I hadn't really processed a lot of pain in my family after my parents divorced when I was 10 in a really complicated and messy divorce. And I came to university carrying all this around me, thinking that the classic uni party lifestyle would satisfy, but it didn't. And as I've already shared, I invited Jesus into my life after some friends of mine at uni shared that good news of the risen Jesus that I could have life in all its fullness. I could find purpose and joy and peace in the storm, in the person of Jesus. And everything changed. And I'm not saying that life has been easy ever since, but I have known God's presence in the storm. Do you know God's presence with you in the storm here today? He is Emmanuel, God with us. Don't tell your storm about this. Don't tell your God about the size of your storm. Tell your storm about the size of your God, the way maker who is with you now. That's the first thing we learn is to expect the unexpected. But the second thing we learn from this story as we expect the unexpected is to protect your priority. Point number two, protect your priority. If you look at, with me in verse 25, we read this. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Verse 28, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. You see, this is the bit that I just can't wrap my brain around. Jesus has told them to get into the boat to cross to the other side. That's the reason they got in the boat in the first place. And now they're stranded along the sea. The storm has come. Jesus is nowhere to be seen. And they see Jesus walking on the water. This is who told them to get into the boat on the, in the first place to get to the other side. And Peter spots him. At first they were afraid, but Peter recognizes him. And he says in verse 28, not what I would have said, because this is the same Jesus who put me in the boat to get to the other side. That's where I'm going. And I see the same Jesus who organized this whole school trip. I only have one request to him, which is, Lord, if it's you, get me to the other side. That's where I'm going. That's where I want to be. But watch what Peter says. 
In verse 28, Lord, if it's you, not get me to the other side, but tell me to come to you on the water. Tell me to come to you. You see, Jesus did want to take them to the other side. There was miracles to be formed on the other side. There was ministry to be done on the other side. There was blessing on the other side. And we read that everyone who came to Jesus was healed on the other side. God has good things in store for you in your life. This next season, I'm believing God wants to work powerfully in and through you. God wants to take us to the other side. But what he wants first is for us to come to him. Even in the middle of the storm, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. Is that our priority? The grass isn't greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it. How are we cultivating our relationship with Jesus? In this lockdown, it's been so easy for things to get stripped away and forget to put first things first. Our vicar at HDB, my boss, Nikki, Nikki Gumbel, he says, don't prioritize your diary. Diarize your priority. Put your first things first. How are you making space every day to come to Jesus? Reading your Bible, praying, listening to worship, starting off our days as we mean to continue it, aware of God's presence with us. Protect your priorities. You know, even here at Preston Minster, and this is so counter to the world's narrative, why would we spend an hour every Sunday praying together, worshiping, reading the Bible, The world would tell us, if we want to get to the other side, hustle and grind and double down. But Jesus says, come to me, come to me, all who are weary. How are we getting stuck in here in the life? Are we serving on a team? Are we getting stuck into small groups? Are we building community, keeping our priorities first? Jesus says, seek first the kingdom and all the other things will be added to you. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what storms you're facing, what wind and waves may be raging, but I know one who is with you in the storm. Jesus says, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. That it is I in Greek, ego eimi, is this favorite expression in the gospel writers of divine revelation. It is I. It echoes the words that Moses hears. I am. It is I. I am with you. Jesus is with you in the storm. Protect your priority. Come to him. Even though I walk through the valley, God is with you. You might be in a storm today. God's not gonna let you stay there. He's working on it. He's guiding you. But first he says, come to me. And point number three, write this down. As we expect the unexpected, as we protect our priorities, point number three, accept the invitation. Accept the invitation. Look with me again at verse 29. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, crying out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly you are the son of God. Jesus says to Peter, come. And Peter steps out of the boat. And he walks on water and he he stumbles, but Jesus reaches out and catches him. And that invitation that Jesus extends to Peter is extended to us here today. In the storm, in the wind and the wave, Jesus is saying, Come, 
Would you come to me today? You know, after lockdown, it seemed like everything stopped. I had no invitations, no parties, no church to go to, and now slowly you might have felt this. We've got invitation to come to church, maybe you've got birthday parties coming up, but may I submit to you that you have an even greater invitation from the King of Kings, who says to you this morning, come. It strikes me, he didn't say, come, Peter. He said, come. The invitation was extended to all of those who are in the boat, but only Peter responded. The others stayed behind. Don't look to your left, don't look to your right, don't worry about what anyone else is doing. Jesus is saying to you, come. He didn't wait for a name call, he didn't wait for the red carpet, he just said, come. Step out of the boat. God is inviting us today to step in and step out in faith. And even if we take a step and we get scared and we stumble just like Peter, Jesus reached out to grab them. What does that mean? It means he was close enough to touch. Do you know God's presence with you? An ever-present help in time of need. That as we draw close to Jesus, his promise is that he will draw near to us, accept the invitation. Never will he leave you. Never will he forsake you. He's close to the brokenhearted, the Bible says. Jesus is inviting us to step in and step out, to be his hands and his feet in this world. He wants to anoint and appoint each of us to be his ambassadors of, of healing, of reconciliation, of peace, of joy, of hope in Preston, in your families, in your workplaces. But first, Jesus is asking, would we come? I know it looks rough right now. I know it looks scary right now. But don't look at what others are doing. I've learned it is better to be out walking on the water in the storm with Jesus than to be in the boat without him. And as the band come up, as we close, I wanna encourage us today, as we're looking to get to the other side, Jesus is saying, would you trust me with this transition? Would you trust me with your life? Would you trust me in the storm? And his words are the same words that he spoke in Matthew 14. Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid, come. Expect the unexpected. He didn't call us to have an easy life, but his promise is that he is with us. Protect your priorities. Come to Jesus first and accept the invitation. And I'm learning what that means in my own life. I mentioned earlier my parents divorced when I was 10, and it was a really messy, complicated divorce. It meant in my graduation, they couldn't even be in the same room. I had to keep them apart. And if, if you're here and you know the pain of what it looks like to have a, a divided home, You'll know how poignant that felt. And in this storm in the last season, at the point where it's got too much for me to take, I've had no choice but to come to Jesus in the storm. I've had no choice but to say, God, I cannot do this in my own strength. I need you every day. Lord, I need you. And it hasn't been easy. It's required a lot of honest conversations, but I've seen God working in the middle of the storm. I mentioned earlier that my parents couldn't even be in the same room and I was so stressed and worried and anxious about how life could ever continue. But I've seen God working like a, like a summer sun coming and melting and thawing away the, the snow of the past season. I've seen Jesus healing in my family. It hasn't been easy, but 
last year, around this time last year, for, for my birthday, we were able to go out with restrictions enabled round the family, my mum, my dad, my brother, my stepdad, my mum remarried, and myself around one table as one family. I never thought that would be possible. But I've seen God moving in the storm. And I'm not saying he'll do it the same way for you as he did it for us. I'm not saying he'll give you the same kind of resolution. But what I am saying is God is with you in the storm. Thank you so much for listening to the Preston Minster podcast. We'll see you again soon.